You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Yeah, so this is, this is different for me. This is only the second time that I've, uh, I've spoken. Um, the last time was in 2016. We did Advent, and uh, so um, it's weird. It's weird for me. I know I said that the last time. It's weird not having that buffer of, uh, and that's what I was telling the guys, but, you know, that, that little bitty wall that's, you know, that guitar, it just makes a whole world of difference. So this is, uh, this is outside of my comfort zone, but it's good to be outside of your comfort zone. And so um, I'm really excited to, to be able to share with you guys. I'm going to throw my phone right there. <clears throat> but um, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Justin Zach, and uh, I am um, the husband to an amazing wife um, right up here on the front row, um, Holly. And I have two amazing girls, um, Harper and Harlow, which I'm excited that Harper is uh, in here to, uh, to listen. Um, whenever I told her that I was speaking, she was like, can I be in there? I'm like, yeah, you could be in there. So, um, but I love, I love being a dad. Um, and I came to the realization, of course, now we're two, almost three months in. But I came to the realization a couple of weeks ago um, that I'm officially a girl dad. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> like... I, it's just something that I have to live with, and I, I really love. Sorry, I really love being a girl dad. Um, you know, I have a ton of fun with with Harper, and now with Harlow too. Um, we go, I'm the twirl dad. We take her you know, go twirling, um, and uh, just have a lot of fun with that. But you know, we are only five years in, almost six. Well, we're about six years in, so I don't know how it's going to be in another eight to ten years. Uh, when we start hitting that, you know, 14, 15, 16, that's, we'll, we'll see how that works. Um, but I did just find um, a few uh, tweets this week um, that has just, I feel like, has really summed up um, our recent parenting experiences. And uh, I want to share a few of them with you before we get going. Um, first one is, parenting is mostly just informing kids how many more minutes they have of something. They're always like, Harper, you got five more minutes on that. Um, next was, before I had kids, I didn't know that I could ruin someone's day by saying, get dressed, please. <laughs> and lastly, there are times when I really enjoy being a parent. And it's mostly when my children are asleep. <laughs> no, but I do, I love, I love my girls. And uh, one of the things that... Um, Harper and I have been doing over the past couple of months is we've been reading through uh, the Bible app on the iPad and also like this little book of, uh, it's a year's worth of Bible stories and it just goes through and breaks down um, little snippets of, of the different stories. You know, we've gone through creation, um, Adam and Eve and, and uh, you know, Moses, um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We, we're just now getting into um, Joshua and I'm really excited about that because it's just a great story and Loved being able to read these stories to her and uh, let her see what God has done through his people. And uh, it's just been a, one of my favorite parts of the day. And um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were reading through and we were getting to the story of, of Jacob. And I always try and explain um, to her at the end of the story. There's, there's actually like a couple of questions at the end of it. And I always we go through and ask them, you know, see how she retained the information and um, explain to her, you know, what the story was about. And we got to the story about Jacob, and, and for, for you guys who don't know about Jacob, Jacob um, struggled his whole life underneath trying to get his own 
um, through his own power to get the blessing of God. And it, it started out even from whenever he was born. Um, he was born with Esau's twin. And it, as he was born, he was holding on to Esau, trying to um, already jockey for that position, that birthright, so they could be able to receive the blessing. And even whenever they were older, uh, Jacob convinced Esau to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup. And, and whenever Isaac was dying, he, um, Jacob went through and disguised himself as Esau so that he could get that blessing as Isaac was dying. And so Jacob was always striving underneath his own power to get this blessing. But then we come to this amazing story that takes place in Genesis 32 where Jacob has this personal encounter with God. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to read through um, this passage. It's Genesis 32, verses 24 through 30. And uh, so to set this up, Jacob was returning to Esau, and he had already sent all of his livestock, his, um, his uh, servants, his family ahead of him. And we come to this moment, and it says, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And what we see here is, is Jacob had a personal encounter with God that changed his life forever. And something really interesting to note is that if we look all prior to this, whenever Jacob would pray to God, and, and he had a uh, relationship, he had faith in God already, and so when he would pray to God or whenever God would even refer to himself, um, it was always saying, God, my father, the God of Abraham and Isaac. And again, Jacob had already been following the Lord, but it was always God of Abraham and God of Isaac. But after this moment, whenever he says, I've seen God face to face in Genesis 33, 20, which is not up there, but he builds an altar to memorialize, to, to remember this moment. And he calls it God, the God of Israel. And so he had taken that encounter and that faith that was of his father's and his grandfather's, and he had personalized it. And I just thought that was a really cool, um, cool uh, way to look at that because I, I remember a distinct moment even in my life, um, and there were some of you guys that, that actually went on this trip, um, but for me, this, this moment happened on May 20th of 2000. And, uh, and there was a few of us that took a trip to Tennessee and uh, we went to a, an event called One Day. And uh, that, this, this, this moment happened for me um, on that day. And it's when, whenever it became personal uh, for me. And so I just thought that was that was really, um, really amazing part of this story. That's not what we're talking about today. But it is, uh, it is really amazing. And he just had this, this personal encounter that changed him. And so we're going to look at a, at a couple of things that happened in this instance, whenever he um, encountered God. And the first thing that we see um, that happens to Jacob as he's wrestling with God is that God dislocates his hip. And we find that in verse 24 when he says, when the man um, saw, that, I'm sorry, verse 25, when he saw that he could not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket 
and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And I have to imagine that um, this changed the way that Jacob would walk for the rest of his life. Even though it might have, his hip might have popped back into socket, uh, but it was, there's probably still this nagging pain or, or this, you know, scrape as he felt that as he would walk. And so um, when we have an, a personal encounter with God, with a holy God, it will change the way that we walk as well. And so um, if we are not to walk in the same way that we have, if we have to change the way that we walk, we have to take a look at how we are to walk. And that is actually found in uh, what we're going to look at is Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. And it says this, it says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so here we see that the opposite of walking by the spirit is giving into the desires of the flesh. And our flesh is just the, our ordinary human nature. And this does not want to um, desire the things of God. Rather, um, our human nature prefers to get satisfaction from our independence and from our own power and our own prestige. But when we walk by the Spirit, we're not controlled by those drives. It's um, what verse 17 means when it says the flesh produces one kind of desire and the Spirit produces another. So walking by the Spirit, then, is, is not something that we do to obtain the Spirit's help. But rather what it is is that this, this phrase that we see, um, it implies that we are to do this through the enabling the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we are able to have desires that are produced stronger than our fleshly desires. So... Um, how then do we walk by the Spirit and overcome the desires of the flesh is that we must allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. And this is actually found in verse 18, um, which is not up there, but the word led by the Spirit um, means that we are to actually just be a continuous surrender and yielding of ourselves to the desires of the Spirit. And this is what Romans 12:1 invites us to do by telling us that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And I love how the message translation puts this. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And so... Changing the way that we walk, taking our everyday, ordinary life and, and placing it before Jesus, that can sometimes be, be painful and be hard. And that means that we can't do the things that we've done before. And I have to imagine that Jacob, as he was walking along, um, you know, just, just having that, that, like I said, I've never had a dislocated, I've never dislocated anything, but I, I can imagine that it would be pretty painful. Uh, especially to have your leg, and as you're walking along, you know, he had to be thinking, man, this, my hip, this, this hip hurts. But it was every time, every time he walked and he took that step, he always had to remind himself of what God did that night that everything changed in his life. And so when we encounter God, it demands 
that we walk differently. But why then does it demand that we walk differently? What is it? What is the, the purpose of that? It's because God wants us to, to give us a new identity. And so we see that take place actually in verse 28 for Jacob. And what we see here is where it says, then he said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And so in that moment, Jacob's whole identity changed. And if you, you guys know, if you look through the Bible, names were so significant um, to a person's identity. Um, you know, we have, we have um, Abraham who was now or Abram, who became Abraham and, and the father of many nations. And that was his promise. That was the promise that was instilled with him. And we have uh, another example of Simon, uh, where Simon became Peter. And Peter became the rock that the church would be built on. And so we have these identity-changing names um, that take place throughout the Bible. And now Jacob, just like Abraham, was given a new name. And he would no longer be called a deceiver or a conniver, which that's what Jacob meant, was it was he was known as a deceiver because of those things that he had done, um, you know, deceiving Esau and Isaac to, to try and get that blessing. It was always a, a constant struggle under his own power to deceive, but now he would now be known as Israel. And so um, just like Jacob was given a new identity, we're given a new identity when we encounter God. And this is, uh, I see that this is actually takes place in, in two um, two parts. There's, you know, we, we receive this identity when we become, uh, when we choose to trust in Jesus um, at the point of salvation, but it's also something that we have to learn to walk in um, as we are, turn that off. We have, to, we have to learn to walk in as we grow in our faith. And so um, in, in Second Peter, I'm sorry, in First Peter 2, 9, we're going to take a look at just one example of our new identity in Christ. And I do want to give you guys uh, just a little bit of um, push for this. If you guys have never um, dug into who you are in Christ and looked into the word um, to find out your identity, I, I want to encourage you guys to, to just take a, a little bit of time and do that because uh, I, I see it almost like a, a 23andMe, you know, the, the DNA testing. You, you get to find out who you are, and, and through that you're able to find out the promises that God has for you. And uh, so I want to encourage you guys just to take some time, um, you know, maybe maybe once a week, just go through and, and find a, a Bible study or find something that can pull that out for you. Um, but we're going to look at First Peter two nine, where it says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light." And so what we take, we're going to take a look at these three identities that are found here. And the first one that we're going to look at is that you are chosen. And we see that it says you are a chosen people. Now, this is, a, this is looking at the church as a whole, the chosen people. But we know that a chosen people group is made up of chosen people. And so you are, first and foremost, you are chosen. God didn't choose you because any of your qualifications. He didn't choose me for any of my merits or what I've done because there's nothing that I could do to obtain um, him choosing me. We didn't meet any conditions or anything like that, but it's just something that happened long before we were born, and we just have to rest in that and know that we are chosen. 
And so secondly, and we'll spend a little bit of time here, is that um, you are holy. And holiness uh, just means that we are set apart for God. And our holiness is comes because he has chosen us. And when he chose us, and, and we, we became... Um, have the characteristics of God placed inside of us. And um, that's what it says whenever in 1 Peter 1.16 where he says, be holy as I am holy. It's because he has placed his holiness inside of us and now we are able to walk in that. And for us to act outside of the characteristics of God is to out, act outside of the characteristics of being a Christian. And so um, our holiness is, is not based on Anything that we've done, it's solely based on the, the spirit of God living in us. And this is, it's easy for us to, when we start talking about holiness, to um, confuse that with legalism. Um, if I do this, if I don't do this, then, um, then I will be able to obtain holiness and then I've got my good, my good uh, hat on. Um, but, but holiness is, is not something that we do to obtain God's spirit, but it's what we do through the spirit, and it's a choice that we make because uh, not wanting to um, not wanting to offend the spirit. Let me say it that way. Um, and, and you know, I've, I've heard Bill Johnson um, say this, um, and even Kristen, uh, whenever he was here a couple of weeks ago, he used a, a similar example of whenever the Holy Spirit is um, is resting on you. And, you know, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, and um, I've heard Bill Johnson describe it as if, you know, the dove was resting on your shoulder, if the Holy Spirit was on your shoulder. Every movement that you would make would be with the dove in mind so that you don't scare the dove off or you don't spook it. And so it's, it's a choice that we have to make, just like um, with um, Jacob as he was walking, you know, with that hurt hip, it would, it would make him have to do things a little bit differently. He would have to be mindful of the decisions that he made in order to um, be able to walk in the way that he now had to. And so th that's the same thing that, that happens here with holiness. It's that kind of crossover, but it, it changes the way that we walk. We now are able to walk a holy life. And because we're chosen and because we're holy, we're also a priest. And we see that at the end there of Second, First Peter 2, 9, where he says, you are a royal priesthood. And, you know, in, in the Old Testament, the, the priests were the ones who were in charge of worship. They were the ones who could enter into the presence of God. And, um, you know, the beauty of, of the cross, the beauty of the work of the cross is that, of course, that made it accessible for everyone. And so no longer are we limited to who can encounter the presence and no longer are we uh, limited to where we can encounter the presence of God. And so we are now called... Uh, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are now called to minister in the Spirit at all times. And, and this is a, this was a um, this is this is something that becomes our entire life. All our life is now um, a priestly service. We're never outside of God, God's presence, and we're never in able to be in a neutral zone. And so, whether we are at the grocery store, whether we're getting gas, whether we are um, at a restaurant, wherever we are, we are called to minister 
in the presence of God, minister the presence of God, and bring that out. Um, and I see this this twofold as as a uh, in an evangelistic way, um, as well as just being um, in the presence of God. And you know, um, priests were in charge of worship in in the Old Testament, and over the past, I think you know, probably 20, 30 years, um, worship has become um, this this thing. You know, it's and, and worship is not the songs that we sing. It's not um, prayer. It's not its own genre of music, which is just crazy that we have now a, a genre of music that's worship. Because, um, and I know I've been been reflecting back on this verse a lot, but that's what Romans 12, verse 1 tells us, is that worship is not songs, it's not singing, it's not music, but worship is us presenting our lives to Christ in full surrender through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we know that, we know what happens when we encounter God. And we know what he wants to do through us. We know that he wants to give us this new identity so that we can be able to walk in the promises that he has for us. But how is it that we get there? So, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and let you, let you come on up, bud. We're going to wrap up things here in the next little bit. Now, you know, there's, I've got, I've got a few things here as to some practical things that we can do to encounter the presence. And I know that there's, God is not limited to anything that, that we do. But there are certain things that we can do in the same way of, of like I was talking about, the dove resting on your shoulder. There's certain things that we can do that help facilitate and make, it, make the atmosphere, make things conducive for an encounter with, with the Holy Spirit and with God. And the first thing that, that, uh, that we see is I feel that we have to position ourselves to have an encounter. And to me, this is what we do in the natural realm. This is, this is the things that we can do. Um, I see it turning off cell phones, you know, getting away from distractions. Maybe it's, it's getting alone in a room. Uh, maybe it's getting out in nature. You know, I, I love, I have a love-hate relationship with running. Um, I love to go running but I hate getting myself ready to go run. So, but I love being out and being able to, to listen to, um, to music and, and to be able to have those moments where I can, I can be able to pray um, between my shortness of breath <laughs> as I'm running. But um, those, those moments are, are just so great because I love being out in nature and I love being able to experience God in what he's created. And... Uh, it happens too whenever I'm, I'm out mowing the grass. Um, that's actually that song that we sing. So will I. Um, just sidebar. One one day I was out mowing grass and, and was listening to that song. And like you just once you start actually listening to the lyrics, you're just like oh, and it just wrecked me. And I'm like weed eating and I'm crying. And like you know, there's people that my neighbor comes out and I'm like hey, yeah, I'm all right. But it, there's just moments whenever. We're able to position ourselves for an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it's because um, we're able to set aside that moment. And 
that's what I see this as, is, is positioning yourself is, is all about setting aside the time and the place for us to meet with God. And, you know, for, this, for Jacob, this happened when he was alone because he sent everyone ahead of him um, as a buffer for, for Esau, and he was left alone, and that's when this, this took place. It didn't take place whenever his wife and his kids were around. Um, he was alone. It was at night. And so maybe, you know, maybe there's a, there's a certain time that, that's going to work for you. Um, and I'm not saying this is like a quiet time, but this is just all positioning ourselves for uh, an encounter. It's, it's just setting aside those, those moments. Um, it can be in the middle of the day. Um, but I want to encourage you guys to do that. And the, the next thing that I see um, is that we have to posture ourselves to have an encounter. Now, positioning and posturing are two different things. Positioning, again, I see that as, as the, the physical realm, the, the things that we can do, um, the place, the time. But posturing ourselves is, is what we do in the spiritual realm. It's, it's the bowing of our heart to God. It's... Um, coming in humbly. Maybe it's through confession, uh, but it is what, again, what Romans 12, 1 tells us is where we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And so, again, maybe this is, maybe this is for you, um, confession. Um, maybe it's just sitting in silence and allowing yourself to, to be humbled before a holy God. And so we, we have to position ourselves for an encounter. We have to posture ourselves for an encounter. And lastly, I believe that we have to pray for an encounter. And, you know, if we look through, the, through history, um, revivals that took place, you know, like Toronto, the Welsh Revival, those um, all began out of prayer. And this is, for one thing, this is what we do on, on, on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. There's a group of people here, and, and you are all invited to come and pray with us as we desire the greater things of, of what God has for, for this church and, and for our community. And that's what we want to see happen is that we want to see God begin to move um, through freedom to, to impact our, our, our community. And so it begins with prayer. And, you know, it, that's, that's what we see too in in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, you know, it's a verse that we all quote uh, about prayer, but it says, if my people are, who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and pray. And that's what we see in, in all of three, these three things. My people will humble themselves. They will posture themselves to have an encounter. If they will seek my face, if they will position themselves to have an encounter, if they will pray, then we will have an encounter. And so, again, I don't feel like that's an exhaustive list of what we can do, but there are things that we can be able to do to, to um, position ourselves to have an encounter with, with God. And um, I do want to leave you guys with one quote um, from A.W. Tozer. Um, I, I ran across this the other day, and I just thought it was so amazing um, and fit right in. And he says this. He says, no man is ever the same after God has laid his hand upon him. And so I want to encourage you um, throughout this week, um, look for moments to position yourself to have an encounter. Maybe, maybe one of the simplest things that we can do, and, and um, 
this is something that, I, that I'm actually going to start doing myself, is I'm going to put in my calendar on my phone um, little moments throughout the week where it'll just pop up as a reminder to say, um, you know, position yourself or just like a have a pause to pray kind of thing um, so that it can be um, just all throughout the week. I think it's so important for us to, to do that as we, as we look to see what God is going to do. And, and I think we're coming into an amazing time. Uh, you know, Kristen was here just a couple of weeks ago, and um, I truly believe that we are on the verge of something amazing happening, but it can only happen if we all come in, in together into one accord um, and pray and, and ask God to move through us. Um, and it can't be something that just takes place in here, but it has to be through us into our community. So um, let me pray for you guys, and, uh, and then I'll pass this back over to Pastor Andy. Um, Jesus, we love you so much, and, and I thank you for the opportunity to, to be able to speak this morning, to, to share what I felt like you, you put on my heart. And uh, I pray that, uh, that even if it just impacted me, um, then I, I pray that um, it, it works in my life. But, but I would ask that we, um, as a church, as, as your church begins to position ourselves to have an encounter with you, that we, we posture ourselves in a manner that um, we can be able to seek your face and, and, and have an interaction with you that is personal but also communal so that we can be able to bring this out into our areas, into our world. Um, because there's so many people here that um, are touched by each and every one of these people that come through the doors, that every person through here has hundreds of people that they encounter throughout the week. And so if we are able to uh, minister the presence of the Lord wherever we go, then we're going to be able to bring this out into our communities and touch so many lives, and, and we'll be able to bring freedom to the captives and to the, to the prisoners. And so uh, I just pray uh, for each and every person here that um, throughout this week that we just take moments, we, we take opportunities um, to seek your face and to pray and to humble ourselves. And uh, I just pray that, that you will hear us and that you will um, begin to do amazing things through us, Jesus. We love you so much. We praise you.